Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Plant family, I wanna thank you for joining us today on our online campus. Did you notice the term I just used, online campus? Over the last six months, God has been doing some amazing things here online. And so we have always had an online presence through the plant, but now more than ever, we have seen people from all over Bergen, Passaic, New York City, upstate New York, across the United States, even countries like Germany, France, Japan. And then there's this little island called Hawaii that people have been following us. And we know that there's some of you are unable to attend the plant either because of distance or because of this whole COVID-19. And we have prayed about this as a team and we really felt like God was saying, it's time to start the online campus. Yes, if you live near either campus, Mawa, West Milford, we want you to join us in person. But if you are unable to for whatever reason, whether it be health issues, whether it be circumstance, or whether it be distance, we want to encourage you to be part of our online campus ministry. So what does that mean? It means more than just watching. It means being a part of our vision, knowing Christ and making him known. For any of you who want to be part of a life group, we are starting a virtual life group for our online campus so that you can participate as we equip you to know Christ and make him known. And so I want to say thank you for joining us. Now, as we begin this year, we have been praying about what is the vision and what is the direction in which God is calling the plant to for this season of our church. And there's a phrase that, that as I was praying, I brought it to the staff, I brought it to the leadership team, and that phrase was, back to the basics. Why? Because whenever you're going through circumstances, the best thing that people need to do, and it's usually the last thing they do, is go back to the basics and foundations of their lives. I mean, think about school. Right now, our kids in school, the foundations that they are learning is reading, writing, and arithmetic. Think about problem solving. How do we solve problems? Because sometimes our problems are so big, we just keep getting more and more confused. It's identify the problem, it's identify a solution, and it's put it into practice. Simple, simple means of solving problems. I think about being a coach, and I've always had players that have been good shooters that for some reason they lost their stroke. And so I said, go back to the basics. Beef, balance, eyes, elbow, follow through, reposition your hands to how you first learned to shoot. And all of a sudden, within a game or two, they're shots back. Why? Because it's going back to the basics of what we know. And when we are in a season of such uncertainty, what we need more than ever is clarity in who we are as sons and daughters of God. And so what we are going to do over the next three weeks as we really jump into our, our series throughout the year, which they will all be going back to the basics of our faith, we want to begin with the simple understanding of the gospel. And so today we are going to look at a passage that may be the most famous passage in all of Christianity, one that more people know about scripture than ever in such a way that we can go back to the basics of who we are 
as sons and daughters of God. So before I open the word, let's pray together. Father God, you know that throughout this summer season, we as a team have been praying to give direction to your people. We have seen people who are thriving like crazy in their faith. But we also know people who are really struggling, that are going through some hard times, and their faith has been questioned and challenged. And so God, for both individuals, we have been praying about giving proper direction to being spiritually strong in who they are as sons and daughters of God. And so I ask you today, I ask you that we, as we gather on our campus, that we would be encouraged to know you. And knowing you, we would walk in our identity and we would live out our identity, that other people would see you and we would make you known. In Christ's name, amen. I want you to grab your Bibles. And yes, that means if you need to press pause, grab your Bibles, whether it be digital or paperback, whatever it may be. And let's open to John chapter three. Oh, for some of you who are thinking, John chapter three, I think I know where Rob is going. Yes, you are right. The narrative of Nicodemus. So turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter three. And we are going to begin with verse 1. It says here in verse 1, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with you him. We look at this chapter and right away we see there's a main character. There's there's two main characters. There's Nicodemus and there's Jesus. We don't know if there's any other disciples around. All we know is that there's a man named Nicodemus that went to find Jesus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was actually a Sanhedrin, which means that he was one of 70 leaders that oversaw the Jewish people. And he was more than just a religious leader. He was a civil leader. That means he was involved in both the religious and the laws of the day. Nicodemus was a man of power. Nicodemus was a man of wealth. Nicodemus was a man of influence. And as Nicodemus saw Jesus step into the stage of life, he had noticed that Jesus' teachings were unique and that Jesus was performing miraculous signs that he has never seen before. Yes, he's heard the teachings of John the Baptist and and other great teachers, but, but what Jesus was teaching and what Jesus was performing awakened Nicodemus' soul. And so Nicodemus did something. He went to go find Jesus. Now, I believe the setting of this passage is even more important than what Nicodemus is going to talk to Jesus about. You see, Nicodemus did not introduce himself into a crowd of people and say, hey, Jesus, by the way. Instead, he found Jesus at night. In some translations, it says the cover of night. Now, I know myself that whenever I sneak out to do something, it's for a reason. It's because I don't want anyone to know where I'm going. And yes, I confess, I remember being that teenage boy sneaking out of the house, meeting up with my friends, 
And honestly, it was because I didn't want to be seen or know what I was doing. I didn't want anyone to know what I was doing. And so Nicodemus, secrecy, in secrecy, goes and he finds Jesus. Now, why would Nicodemus want to talk to Jesus in front of others? What was it that, that drew Jesus to be in a place that no one would ever know that he met with him? I would even go to, as far to say that Nicodemus was not sent by other Pharisees or by the Sanhedrins. I believe that something in Nicodemus's heart was sparked to having to figure out the truth of who Jesus really is. Let's continue reading. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he's old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Now, when anyone reads this passage, I, I believe there's a phrase that sticks out more than anything else. The two words, born again. And that phrase, born again, has a connotation. And for some, it's extremely, extremely positive. But for others, it's very negative. I mean, think about in our, in our Western world, the, those who, when they hear someone is born again, there's either a real quick connection or there's a, oh, they're one of them. And what do I mean by one of them? There's this idea that, that, that the phrase born again means elitist, separatist, people who are judgmental, or maybe people that kind of sway to a certain political party. And so all of a sudden, people, when they hear the word born again, there's this mixed emotion. And honestly, it's the same thing that Nicodemus was was feeling and thinking like, what does it mean born again? And, and so Nicodemus, almost in a joking way, he's like, what, what do you mean, Jesus? I can't go back into my mother's womb. That's, that's bizarre. That's impossible. That's weird. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, you have to be born twice. And the truth is, is that Nicodemus was a man of the law of, of God. Nicodemus, some of the things that Jesus is saying to him are things that he should know about, things of preparation, things of preparation of the Messiah who is to come. And so Jesus identifies, he said, yes, there are two births. First, the natural birth. It is the birth that every single human will go through. But then there's a spiritual birth. It's a spiritual birth that that is supernatural, and it only happens by the hand of God. Now, if you've experienced this spiritual birth, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's this infilling of the presence of God that supernaturally puts to death your old self, 
your old desires, your old longings, and something new is birthed in you. There's an awakening. There's an alignment that, want, that you are wanting to know who you are as a child of God and God's calling in your life. And the hardest part for Nicodemus was simply this. He went out to hear what he wanted to hear or similar to what he wanted to hear. But what Jesus had said is, was exactly what Nicodemus was not expecting to hear. And let me just say this to you. I believe oftentimes that when we go before the throne of God, the things that God says to us in his scripture and through his spirit are oftentimes the things that we're not wanting or expecting to hear. And this is true with Nicodemus. He didn't want to hear this whole idea of, of having to have this next birth, this second birth. Because in many ways, I believe what Nicodemus was probably struggling with in that moment was that he was unable to attain God's approval by what he had done and who he had become. And Nicodemus' pride was standing in his way. But let me just kind of walk through what I've been really processing as I've been writing this sermon. Jesus intended, and God intended, for all of us to go through two births. Now, at the very beginning, that was not the original plan. The original plan was that we would be born and we would live a life united with God for all of eternity. But in the garden, humanity's sin separated us from God that caused a spiritual death. And because of the work of God, because of the work of Jesus, because of Jesus being there in that moment, Jesus was saying, now here is the new intention, that you will go through two births. First, a physical birth, and then a spiritual birth. Both births have three components, being awakened to life, being aware of who we are, and two, being aligned to live in our identity. At first, it's, it's understanding that we are human, that we understand we have life, and that there is purpose for us. And that purpose is to be united with God. And so that second life says, I realize I am spiritually dead, but need spiritual life. Because in this spiritual life, I need to understand that I was created to be in relationship with God through Jesus Christ so that now I can live out the identity of who I am as a child of God, aligning myself with him. And what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus is simply this. These births coincide with one another. They work with one another. And Nicodemus, as you have studied scripture, there's an awareness to what I'm saying that you should be holding on to. Let's continue. Verse 9. Nicodemus asks, how can this be? And Jesus says, you are Israel's teacher. And do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. 
We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of God. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And so right away, Nicodemus questions Jesus. How can this be? And all of a sudden, in Nicodemus, this confusion comes over him. And Jesus stops him. And he says, aren't you Israel's teacher? Don't you understand that you have been waiting for me? Don't you understand that you've been aligning yourself and the scriptures in such a way that when the Son of Man appears, that you would recognize him and you would be spiritually born again? But yet Nicodemus was standing in a place of confusion. The simple gospel that was spelled out in the Old Testament was something that Nicodemus was not able to fathom or comprehend in that moment. Even though he went out in the cover of night because something in his spirit, something in his heart was saying, I believe he is the son of man. I believe he is the son of God. I believe he is the Messiah. But there was such confusion. So let me give you an example of confusion. I remember when I started my freshman year in college. And we have to do some classes over. Again, algebra one, right? You have to start with earth science again. You got to start with, you know, history 101. There's, there's certain things that we kind of look back over our high school years that's all summed up in one semester. And for me, I could understand history and I can deal with science. But, but when it came to, to mathematics, I, I always struggled. From eighth grade on, mathematics were always hard for me. It was that one class that I, that I just never could compute. But at the same time, I, I, I knew the basics. So during Algebra 1, I'm thinking, okay, we're starting from the beginning. And I remember for the first half of the semester, nothing could compute. And I was that one student that just kept raising his hand, raising his hand, raising his hand. And the teacher was like, Rob, don't you understand that algebra builds on itself? That problem solving in algebra builds on itself? All you need to do is go back to the basics of algebra. But for some reason, it was not registering in my mind. Then about three quarters of the way through the semester, it finally clicked. And for some reason, I was blurring my understanding to the basic foundations of algebra where the problem builds on itself, which brings the solution and the answer. And when I think about Nicodemus, I think that's where he's at right now. He was confusing what Jesus was saying to him because he was allowing too many things on the outside to blur his understanding or even blurring his desire 
You see, our worldview says so much to who we are. For Nicodemus, he knew that when he read the scriptures purely, he saw that the Son of Man was supposed to come with healing in his wings, in his arms, in his hands. He understood that that the Son of Man was supposed to do some kind of supernatural rebirthing in in humanity, but, but I believe because of his worldview and the setting that he was living in, that there was confusion. For Nicodemus, the world that he was living in was was no no longer a nomadic people. It was a people that were trying to establish a territory for themselves. You see, Jesus kept using the phrase kingdom of God. Those who want to enter the kingdom of God. And oftentimes, I believe we believe this. We blur this and don't believe this. We blur this in a way that that we just believe that God is trying to save us, to give us salvation, to one day just kind of sit in heaven the rest of our lives. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I'm coming to give you the kingdom of God so that one day that you will live in the kingdom and you will experience the kingdom here and now, not only in the present, but in the future. And so Nicodemus's worldview had created a very territorial kingdom that the Messiah would come and establish a kingdom right there on earth in Jerusalem that would last forever. A kingdom that would overthrow Rome and and other enemies of the people of God. It was a worldview that saw that, that he had gained wealth and power. And the teachings of Jesus were very different than this. It wasn't about wealth and power. It was about servanthood. It wasn't about being a leader. It was about being a follower of Christ. And all of a sudden, you see Nicodemus' worldview coming into conflict with the simple teachings of what Jesus was saying. Jesus even goes as far as to give the example of Moses. Where the people of God were bitten by serpents, he, he lifted up a staff and people looked on the staff and they were healed. And Jesus says, in the same way, the Son of Man will be lifted up. And eternity will be given to those who fix their eyes on him. People of God, I I believe now more than ever, our worldview is skewing our ability to embrace what God is wanting to speak to us in the midst of the crises that we are going through. I believe that our worldview is skewing the ability for us to see all that God has intended for us. And so there's this tension. Let's continue reading. Jesus says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness 
instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done, been done through God. Why did Jesus come to earth? He came to earth for salvation. That we would be given life. That we would no longer wander in darkness, but God would illuminate his self through his son that we would be able to walk in a relationship with him, that we would be identified as sons of God and daughters of God and then to live out the identity that we were created to have. And Jesus says very plainly that Jesus was the one that is the ultimate sacrifice for humanity and that in him, anyone can have eternal life. Sounds simple, doesn't it? I believe that God made the gospel as simple as possible so that we would not live in a place of confusion. I believe that God said, I'm not going to have many paths up a mountain that, that lead to me to cause confusion amongst others. I'm going to have one path, one way, so that people would know that I love them so much that I sent my son as the signpost that I love them and that I created them to be in a relationship with me. But Jesus comes back to the illustration of night. When did Nicodemus go find Jesus? In the cover of night. In the secrecy of night. And Jesus says, but here's the problem, Nicodemus. People love to live in darkness. People love to live in secrecy. And I know oftentimes that when we look at this, the idea of, of evil deeds of darkness, we're thinking of like the worst of the worst. Things that are really bad and really naughty and things that can get you in big trouble. The truth of this, this is what Jesus is saying. The deeds of darkness are a person's blindness to the circumstances that's going around them in view of who they are as a child of God. Nicodemus was living in darkness. And the only reason his deeds were evil is because his pride and his ego was standing in the way of wanting to understand who he was in view of Christ. And the truth is this, it's not what we do that makes us evil. It's what we believe that keeps us separated from God. Because out of the heart, we speak evil. Out of the heart, we choose certain paths. Out of the heart, we act and behave in manners. And so Jesus comes back to the heart. The darkness is the darkness of the heart that is unwilling to recognize who Christ is. It says in this passage that Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but rather that the world condemns themselves. When we choose to push 
away the gospel of Jesus, we condemn ourselves. When we choose to not believe the identity of who we are as children of God, we condemn ourselves. Jesus does not condemn us. We bring condemnation upon ourselves by our inability to want to know Christ. And so Jesus says to Nicodemus, eternal life comes through God's love that was so magnificent and so big and so bright that he sent his son that just as Nicodemus had recognized him in those public forums, that there was something unique and beautiful about him, as we read the Gospels, we would be able to do the very same thing. Here was the tension that Nicodemus was walking in. What he went out to hear was not what he intended to hear. And I believe that's very true with us. What we want to hear is oftentimes not what we intended to hear is exactly what God wants to say to us. God wants to say to us, it's not about you. It's not about your works. It's not about your performance. It's not about what you can obtain in this life, but it's your willingness to know me through my love for you that's found in Christ Jesus. So what is our takeaway? What is our application to this gospel message? And there are three things that I hope that you're able to take away or three things that you're willing to wrestle with. Because I know many of you, because I've, I've gotten emails from you and I've, I've spoken to you on the phone that you say, I, I listened to you for a while before I really, really started to believe what you were saying. So first, foundational truth. God's love is for all people. God's love is so big that he sent his son that anyone who believes in Jesus has eternal life. Salvation is for all. The question is, are we going to receive the gift? Are we going to receive what God gives us? That's the only thing that separates one person from another when it comes to the gospel message. Our, re, our ability to say yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And what I love is that, that God is patient with us. I mean, think about the journeys of each of our lives. I know that for 19 years, God was patient with me, even in my place of self-condemnation, even in my place of living in spiritual darkness, God was patient. And for some of you who may be 50 years old or 60 years old, God is being patient with you. Why? because he wants you to receive salvation. It says in 1 Peter 3, 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. It is God's desire that everybody hear the gospel and everybody responds. But the truth of the matter, as we see in scripture and we see around us, that's not the case. Many people bring condemnation on themselves because of their inability to say yes to Jesus. Two, 
The gospel message is clearly defined. Jesus is the pathway to God. It says in John 1, and, and everything in John kind of points back to the first chapter. John 1.14 says, So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the, of the Father's one and only Son. God sent his Son to be that light that when people saw him, there was a spiritual awakening because they were living in darkness. And when they saw Jesus and they saw his miraculous acts, it's almost like someone switched the light bulb on. And God makes salvation so clear. In Jesus, by Jesus, through Jesus. The gospel is clearly defined. And then lastly, new beginnings. Yes, there is a phrase that Jesus uses called born again. And even though many people have distorted that phrase, that phrase is a biblical teaching that Jesus had taught in the very beginning of the gospel of John and saying, you must be born again. It is not by your works so no man can boast. It is not by anything that you can do for you to take credit for. We don't stand before God and we don't say, okay, God, so how good is good enough? No. No. When we come to Jesus, we come because we are broken and we are at the end and we are lost and we realize that we need to have new life. New life begins. And Jesus' intent is that you would be born again, that you would experience the fullness of life that's found in Jesus Christ as you identify him and then you are born through the Spirit of God. You are Holy Spirit dwellers. And the reason Jesus said this is because Nicodemus should have realized this. I mean, think about the great prophecy in Ezekiel 36, 26. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. What Jesus was saying in John chapter 3 was spoken about in years past. That our stubborn, stony, broken hearts would be ripped out of us and the Spirit would put a new heart in us. One that is longing to know who we are as children of God. It says in 1 John 3, 1, see how very much our father loves us for he calls us his children and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. God was not just saying you are saved and now you're in heaven. No, he's saying you are my children because you were born in me and through me and by me and now identify you as sons and daughters of God. 
We just don't have a ticket into heaven like we're going to Disneyland and we're getting on, on a ride or going to Wildwood Crest and, and hopping on a ride down there and we kind of hand over so many tickets and, and hopefully my good deeds are all these tickets that I'm handing out. I need four tickets to get on this ride and five tickets to get on this ride. I need seven tickets to get on that ride. No, that's not how it is. We are born as God's children when we invite the Holy Spirit into our life because of what Jesus had done at the cross and in his resurrection. We cannot do anything to attain a place of spiritual wholeness. We are given spiritual life by what Christ has done for us, by giving us the Holy Spirit. Plant family, now more than ever, in times of uncertainty, we need to live in a place of clarity of who we are as children of God. We need to understand the work of God that's found in Christ Jesus that gives us spiritual life so that we can be empowered to walk in clarity even in a world that's filled with uncertainty. And that's the gospel message. As we go into a time of prayer right now, this is my challenge to you. Do you need to either first declare today that you desire to know Jesus and be known by him? And if so, it's simply this. Jesus, I recognize that I'm a Nicodemus, that I've, I have allowed my pride and my ego to stand in the way of knowing you fully. Give me today your Holy Spirit so that I would be born again and given spiritual life for the first time? Or what about you who have had a rough COVID season? Because I know some of you out there have had a rough COVID season. Maybe today is a day to rededicate your life to Jesus. Maybe today is that day to say, wow, for six months, I feel like I have been so connect disconnected to God and I need to reconnect with him. And today, all you need to do is climb back on the Father's lap. And say, Father, thank you for making the gospel so easy. Jesus, I recommit my life to live in the identity of who I am as a child of God that's filled with your spirit. So during this worship song, if you're that one person that never made that declaration, today let that be your declaration. And for you who have wandered away from God, come home. Come home. You're his child. Stop living in confusion and start this fall off living in a place of clarity. Let's worship together. Plan family, this is how I want to close for you. I wrote something down as I had finished this sermon and I want to read it to you as a declaration. Plant family, now more than ever in a world filled with uncertainty, we must hold to the basics of our Christian beliefs, the basics of who we are as children of God. Why? Because clarity in what we believe empowers us to live in our identity as sons and daughters of God. When we walk in the light of God's truth, we are empowered to make the kingdom of God tangible for others. We've always said we want to know Christ and make him known. Today, live 
in the basics of your faith, that you would be empowered to know Christ and allow others to know him as you live it out amongst them and you make him known. Remember this plant family. We love you. We are praying with you. And we're praying for you. Have an amazing day. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org. Thank you.